Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me from across the pond, he is the statesman to my kingsman and a superhero. It's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. How are you today, Matt? Uh, I am well, my friend. Um, this is a film that we're talking about tonight, which we've both been looking forward to and excited to chat about, oddly enough. The internet's had its say on it as well, but other than that, film aside, I am I'm okay, my my friend. It's nice to talk to someone. It's been a fairly isolated week. Um, again, more more details to come later on in the episode. Nothing major, ah. but um, yes, yeah, nice to talk to somebody. It's nice to have a cup of tea right here. It's nice <coughs> to uh, talk some film with your good self. But before we talk about film, you know what's coming, my friend. How are you? Are you keeping Florida safe and well? Oh yeah, you know uh, we are. Already feeling like summer over here, but yeah, um, trying to uh, maintain some semblance of exercise. I've been a little tired this week, but um, so I, I, I missed a, a workout day, just one day, but it, it's like I'm in that point in my uh, routine where it bugs me like really bad if I miss a workout. Um, so I've mm-hmm. been trying not to beat myself up too hard because uh, I, no. I didn't, I needed to rest. I was feeling pretty drained yesterday. Um, it was, a, we've had, uh, testing going on at school and those days just, it drains the kids, but it also drains us because it's, 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 you you don't have control. So it's not your normal, like classroom structure and setup. And it's, it's, Ooh, it's exhausting. So, uh, yesterday I got home and I was like, yeah, I think I'm just gonna relax today. So otherwise not too bad. Um, you know, how's everything on your side of the pond? Yes, not too bad. It's because it's been a quiet week. I've been off work this week and haven't been able to watch as many films as I'd like, but I've been doing sadly more important things this week. But um, no, I can't complain. It, it doesn't feel anything like summer over here, John. It's been <laughs> it's been grey. It's been wet. Who would have thought we're coming into spring in the United Kingdom? But give it time. The sun will shine on our fair island at some point soon. But um, as we always say, film generally lets us get some escapism and brightens our lives even just for an hour and a half or more recently two hours 45 minutes three hours 20 minutes with the length of new films and we're going to be talking about films here tonight of course it's the bloody awesome movie podcast if you're new to the show welcome on this show we deliver our non-spoiler review of the biggest film of the week or the most interesting or some cases the only release of the week and then we drop a spoiler review in a few days' time. But tonight we are giving our non-spoiler review. It's a big one, JB, of Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania, the 31st film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Returning wow. to direct is Peyton Reed. Uh, and this this film is written by Jeff Loveness and Jack Kirby. And it stars, of course, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Evangeline Lilly is back as the Wasp. And they're joined by Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jonathan Majors, Catherine Newton, and Bill Murray is in this film as well. That was announced a little while ago now, and he has a character yeah. poster as well. So I'm pretty sure he's got a lot to do in this film. Now, we <laughs> give non we give non spoiler reviews like we mentioned, but we will give you the synopsis. If you haven't seen this film, then it's making quite a lot of money, so you're probably one of the only ones who hasn't. Either way, Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, along with Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, explore the quantum realm, where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure that goes beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. 
here we go, John. Critically, Marvel films are generally fairly consistent, generally fairly solid, and most most of them, are, if not all of them, are looked upon favourably. However, currently as it stands, Ant-Man and the Wasp sits at 47% on Rotten Tomatoes in t- with the critics, which I believe is equal with Eternals, or maybe now the worst rated. It's It's joint worst, I think. Yeah, I don't know if that's the most up-to-date or not, because I saw that it had tied Eternal, so I don't know if that's dropped more. I'll look it up while you continue. Remember my friend? Um, 84% of the audience liked it, though. So there's that critic audience divide once again. Now let's go to Metascore. They've got it at 48 currently. The IMDB user score sits at 6.6 out of 10, and Letterboxd has this film currently at 2.8 out of 5. And my eyes aren't deceiving me, John. The Rotten Tomatoes critic score is actually forty nine percent now, so it's gone up a few percent. So uh, yeah, it's gone up a couple. Win, win, win for Ant Man. Then in that case, uh, and of course, this is a massive tentpole release from Walt um, Disney and Marvel. You can only see this in theaters for now. Give it a few months, and it'll be on Disney Plus for your viewing pleasure. But go check it out; it's in theaters now. So um, Ant Man and the Wasp, as we've just said, critically uh, hasn't been entirely well received one in every two critics wasn't a fan let's see if this show continues that trend um i was uh, i was looking forward to this film jb uh, I, I enjoyed the last ant-man i know the ant-man and the wasp seems to be some people seem to think it's pretty mid i quite enjoyed it i, I liked the i think they got the blend of comedy and action and michael peña just right in that film um and a few of those things I don't think for me translated into this film. Um, I wasn't a fan of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, John, as much as I really, really wanted to be, which is a shame because for me, the film starts off pretty well. It, it feels like an Ant-Man film to start with. It's got good comedy. It feels fairly easygoing. But like the synopsis says, the quantum realm, as also the title says, is a huge part of this film, which in, in and of itself isn't a problem. But for me, when the film actually starts dealing with the quantum realm, it lost me then at that point in terms of the visuals. I think at times this film looks abysmal and that isn't a, and that, and that is a, a stagecraft volume issue, you know, see Obi-Wan Kenobi book of Boba Fett and a few of the other Marvel shows to see what to see. You can just tell the comp, the comp composition and the actual, you, you can tell they're standing in front of a screen way more than you can even on some bad uh, blue or green screen. So the use of the volume, it sticks out badly in this film and it is a CGI fest. Now I can't really hold that against a film because we can't necessarily go to the actual quantum realm. But for me, after a while, it just became, I didn't become desensitized. It just became this big glob of color or visual. And I think the film for me, it actually loses its way narratively as soon as we go to the quantum realm because the characters stop becoming characters. They're just, just they're just talking about things that need to happen or setting things up too much. And a lot of the characterization for me was lost there. Um, I didn't think the comedy was that great either. There were a few moments that got me, but I don't think the gags were that good compared to the last Ant-Man film. If I could compare those, um, uh, but Paul Rudd's good. Paul Rudd is as charming as as it always. That's almost a given now. The other cast members I wasn't so keen on. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, I know she's been getting praise, but 
I wasn't as hot on her. Michael Douglas, this is going to sound awful, but I did put it in my review. I thought he'd quit acting during this film. I, I, I don't know what. <laughs> Michael Douglas seemed to be coasting a little bit in this film. But the the big selling point, the big win for this film, it was, unsurprisingly, Jonathan Majors as Kang. Now, the character of Kang, I, was, I, I liked the character of Kang. I think he was a bit oversold in terms of the film because the film spends a lot of time foreshadowing him and it gets very tedious for me. You had uh, Janet Van Dyme saying a lot of the time, I need to tell you something, but I can't mm. tell you yet though. I can't tell you. This is very important. You must know this, but you've got to wait. I thought this is you're, you're, you're pushing this on too much and they kept saying him or who's coming. He is. What, we, what should we be scared of? Him. They really kind of built this up far too much, uh, which is what the film's doing. It just felt like a big setup for the next films. And I know I know the MCU is a continuing uh, storyline and there's always going to be set up, but this feels just like a set. This didn't feel like an Ant-Man film, John, and that was my biggest problem. Mm. This did not feel like it was an Ant-Man film. This felt like a, a blockbuster film, set, a, a connective bit of tissue with ant-man in it you know i i do honestly i know in the last film they went to the quantum realm or janet got stuck there but i think this is fairly interchangeable for me um jonathan majors oh yeah jonathan majors excellent oozes presence oozes charisma oozes class the character of kang uh i think he was great up until a certain point um but then that was because the story needed something to happen in order to you know kind of downgrade his power somewhat um I'm not going to talk about Modoc. I didn't like Modoc. It's a shame, John. This isn't this isn't an awful film. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm extremely yeah. negative on it. I get that. Um, th- this is not an awful film, but for me, the the narrative. I, I thought the, the the story was thin. I didn't I didn't think the screenplay was great. The some of the characters who were or actors who were kind of marketed as being in this film didn't need to be in the film. You know, they're just there because I don't know why. It felt Just a little the, bit uh, it, the MCU box, right? Like I've I guess it. it's like a guess, scavenger hunt at this point. I guess um, uh, so, um, some of the characters I wasn't a fan of, all the characterizations we got, um, the visuals. Again, I don't think the visuals were good at all. I know, so, so, you know, to start with, when you're in the quantum realm and it's you know you, you first get there, it's officially this is very nice, it's very cool, very colorful, very Infinity Stone colors, but. He got he got too much from his win along and things were just happening and I didn't really care about why they were happening because I knew we were just getting to the setup at the end. But um, I'm trying to think what uh, before I take up too much of the time. What did I like? Um, uh, well, a Kang. I just wish he'd been introduced in a different film, which was maybe more akin to him. I think he was. He didn't for me. It he didn't feel right in this film. Kang, something mm. felt odd about someone because he's so serious. He's got so much presence against everybody else in this film. Just kind of butted up against them, but that's a uh, a tick for Jonathan Majors. Um, but Paul Rudd's good. I like Paul Rudd. Um, it starts off very well. I quite liked the ending. Of course, we're not going to get into that, but like the the very very ending. Um, in terms of like this kind of internal monologue we start hearing, I quite like that. But you know, it, it, it's a setup. It's a massive setup, but. Um, yeah, I want to hit John. I've I've had my side. I feel I sound very negative, and I know I'm just disappointed in this film. But I want so, I, I want to hear from you. I want to hear if you're any more positive. And also, 
get some positivity into this, which maybe I can see the light a bit more. So Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp are two movies that I really enjoy. I don't, I didn't think either of those movies were the, like the best made Marvel movies, but they are two of like my favorite to watch Marvel movies, mostly because I love the tone and I love Paul Rudd and I love Michael Pena, which is sorely missing in this film. Like him not being here hurts so much. And I don't know if that was a contract thing or if he didn't want to do it or if they just couldn't figure out how to make Lewis relevant. Peyton Reed said that they couldn't find a way to fit him in this film, basically. I mean, he should have been recanting all of what we knew instead. Like we open with, uh, with (laughs) Scott Lang, like we're in his thoughts and we also kind of end with a similar bookend format that could have been Lewis. Lewis, Yeah. And it would have made, it would have, you could have interjected with him at some point. Maybe he was telling what happened to Ant-Man, why they were gone or whatever, like to somebody else, to someone else, you know, this is what happened to Ant-Man. I think that would have been one. It would have been a, a through line because the, both the first two films have Lewis telling a story and it's some of the funniest stuff that the MCU's brought. That also feels organic. It never felt like a yeah. forced comedy. That's one of the c- criticisms that gets levied a lot at Marvel is that they've leaned too hard into the snark. Um, Lewis has always felt very natural. And I love that about the first two films. And um, Paul Rudd is one of those actors who just almost always works for me. I, I find him so charming. I love him. I like him in interviews. I like him on in movies. And all of that said, I've also been the the general voice of dissent with the MCU. There's been very few movies that the MCU has not won me over on. Yeah. And I like this movie. I do, I I'm not. I don't think it's bad. I I. There's nothing in it that I really hated. I uh, the CG thing. I I've read some articles where some of the visual effects artists are complaining about the nature of how things are done, but that's a problem across the board with VFX artists that they're not treated right. They're treated as secondhand citizens in this industry, which makes it's product, isn't it? It makes no sense in a world where so many of our movies are a hundred percent reliant on visual effects. Yep. They should be treated better for sure. And we might see better visual effects if they weren't putting so much pressure and not supporting them financially, you know, where these studios, a lot Mm. of the visual effects companies shut down and then have to reopen with a new business model over and over and over again. So like there's no consistency with employment. Like it's a huge problem that should be fixed. Well, they said that they diverted a lot of resource to uh, Wakanda forever, which is, which left, ant-man and the wasp quantumania with a not quite a skeleton crew of course but with less resource and which is crazy though for me no it is crazy given the amount of money these studios have especially this studio right like even like this studio has the the resources beyond any other studio like every studio has every major studio has the resources disney has so much and these movies Mm -hmm. mostly are financial successes. There's only been a few that haven't landed very well. Even this one that's critically getting bashed yeah. is doing pretty well at the box office right now. It's not going to have legs, unfortunately, because people aren't really into this. And that's the thing for me. As much as I've often been a voice of dissent, when everyone hates on something, I've been pretty positive with the MCU. I am getting burnt out of the MCU and mostly because of the connective tissue. Like the, the, first series the phase one through three when it was all connected we knew it was building towards infinity war i loved every little connection and even when things felt forced in some of the movies where it felt like this was only here to set up something else i was never bothered by it at this point 
I'm like, cool, you did the thing no one had ever done before. You've made a franchise that was 22 movies connected together. Crazy. Yeah, it's mental. But now the movies are feeling more and more like they only exist to set up the next one. And they're not taking the time to ensure that the the film itself has a good quality. Like the only thing that should be setting up the next one really is stingers at the end, which this movie yeah. arguably has the best two singers we've had since infinity war where they feel, they feel like stingers. They feel like they're setting up the next stuff, but the rest of this movie feels like that too. And that's a problem. Um, I I'm, I'm MCU fatigued. And while I still in, I still enjoyed this movie, that's that feels like a strong word. It's more like I didn't dislike this movie. I tolerated this movie. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I had no major complaints. I thought Jonathan Majors was fantastic. I still like Paul Rudd. I also I I like Catherine Newton as uh, Cassie. I I thought Cassie was a compelling character. She didn't get enough to do. And like you said, with Janet kept like foreshadowing. We we were told like at the very beginning of the movie that Cassie had a suit. And it takes half of the movie before she finally breaks it out. It's like, why wouldn't you have broken the suit out immediately? It was already said in front of your dad earlier in the thing. And um, that's, to me, this film feels like it was being written as it was being filmed. Like, they didn't have a clear story for this movie. Like, like yeah, they'll be in the quantum realm. We're going to introduce Kang. Kang's the big bad for this phase five and that was the only concern. It wasn't, well, how does he tie in here? Well, he's in the quantum realm. Okay. Why are they in the quantum realm? Oh, they get sucked in. And like everything feels like they're, they filmed it on the flight. Now I'm sure that's not true. I at least really hope that's not true, but it feels like it. And when you compare it to the trailer, and I'm going to give credit to David Chen from the film cast for this. Cause I saw his TikTok talking about this, but I completely agree with his sentiment. The trailers leading up to this film made it sound like Kang was going to offer Scott Lang a deal to go back in time and get the time he lost with Cassie back. Yes. Right. That's not a plot point in this movie. It's alluded to at some point, Janet Van Dyne was given that offer, but not currently like in the past. She denied that offer when it was offered to her, but that's not what's happening in this movie. That's something we learn later. And all of that makes it feel like they weren't really sure what movie they were trying to make. And that's a problem. If that is the case. Yeah. Yes. Now, of course, the big thing is it doesn't matter if that was the case or not. It feels that way. And I think that's why we're seeing such negative things is that this movie feels like a setup movie. Um, it, it doesn't have the same exact heart as the other two. And I've seen a few, there's a lot of content about the MCU right now because everyone's kind of, the, the people are hitting the panic button, you know, uh, phase four didn't land very well. A lot of the criticisms of four, I didn't agree with as far as I didn't want them to connect. I liked that Shang-Chi was an isolated story. I liked that Eternals was kind of isolated, even though it introduces other problems with that isolation. Cause it's like, well, we would have noticed the, the, the eternal, thing standing in the middle of whatever but (laughs) yes this movie i think is fine but i'm not willing to fight over it to be honest that's the thing like uh yeah of course it's well but i'm like if this if i was like oh i love this movie i would be defending it you know but it's more like i didn't have a problem with it 
but I'm kind of okay that so many people did. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a different attitude than I would normally have with an MC film. I, I felt, I still don't understand all the hate for Love and Thunder. And um, I, I, I didn't, I don't understand the hate for Eternals, to be honest. Like, I, I thought it was fine. I didn't love Eternals, but I was more willing to defend that movie than I am to defend this one. Because yep. I just... I just kind of felt like I tolerated it more than I liked it. You know, yeah, I was just like, it felt a bit more like it wanted to be its own thing, kind of fighting against the shackles of the MCU at times with Chloe Zhao there. Whereas for me, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania just feels generic. It just feels like it's yeah. always to pass through an AI machine, make us a Marvel film. Here's the, here's the criteria that go. And there was nothing special to it. Yeah, and that's shocking to me that it, if this were a new director to the MCU or like new to even just the Ant-Man films, but for it to be the third from Peyton Reed and it feel like it it almost is out of communication with the other two. And I get it to a degree because a lot's happened since Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know, Infinity War, we still have this kind of more like like sadness throughout the MCU because of the the blip, which. I've seen some people arguing why that needs to end, but it's like, but would it though in real life? Like I, I quite like that. If, if we're talking about connective tissue, that's the kind of stuff I like where you are, you're not just ignoring the fact that you've had 26 other films or 20, in this case, 30 films before. And also, you know, a couple of life shattering events like the blip and then everyone yeah. returning. You, I love, I do. I love that. They keep referring to that. It's, that's not going to become old for me because it reminds me of, Firstly, those films, which I very much enjoyed, certainly Infinity War, but it reminds me that this is a this is a world that people are living in. This is a universe yeah. where yeah. things are. It's not just oh, that's done, we won. Now let's move on to the next galactic scale threat. People have got Kang to worry about, and they're still getting over the blip. Yeah, and that that could be the, the my, kind of part of my problem with Phase Four. Tried to do the isolated stories, and people weren't happy, and now they're trying to bring back the big story and people aren't happy. It's like, maybe <laughs> people are done with this fate. Like this, you know, we, we went through a long journey, 22 movies. It, maybe they needed to take a break yeah. and they I haven't, you know, right. like they, maybe we needed to end infinity war and not immediately jump into the next set of movies. Um, and the series. Know, and then all the, and they, yeah, they've piled on TV, which they have now announced. They've backed off some of the TV, uh, for this year, like things that were supposed to be out, we may not get now. Um, and you know, I don't want them to do what star Wars did, which is like star Wars seemed like they hit the eject button and like they've backed out on so many of their, their originally announced projects, but maybe it's time to reevaluate. Like, you know, again, it's always about quality over quantity. And I understand as a business, they want movies to come out and, Obviously, like with recurring characters, there's a time limit. You know, these the actors are aging. So if you're doing six years between movies every time, it's going to get to a point where you have like a 55 year old Ant Man. It's like, well, he probably actually is that that age. <laughs> but you know, know what I'm saying, like, um, but you know, uh, at some point, you can't do it that way. So I get the there is some kind of sense of urgency, but it, on the other hand, maybe we get over this like this idea that of, like the nineties Batmans were a great example. Cause while people didn't like Kilmer as Batman and people didn't like Clooney, especially as Batman, no one was really mad that it was a different actor playing Batman. Like we all yeah, understood it was the same continuity when it was happening. You know, we were just like, okay, maybe it'll be good. And it, it arguably wasn't. I like Batman forever still. I, I, I don't know if that's just cause I saw it as a kid and I liked it, 
but I've never liked Batman and Robin. But I also, it's not because it was George Clooney. My argument was never like, I can't believe they cast George Clooney as Batman. I want Michael Keaton. I would have loved Michael Keaton, but it's not, it's not Clooney. That's the problem. It's the, the movies, the problem I would be willing to accept if they, if they need to recast, like they've obviously spoilers for infinity where they killed Iron Man. But if, if Downey Jr. had stepped away and they just recast him, I would have been fine with that. And I don't think the world currently is because we see that kind of thing happening and people like freak out. It's like, we used to do it all the time. They do it in theater all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like it happens and maybe we can, if that is, if people are willing to accept that possibility, maybe we slow down on the productions of some of these where we don't feel this, this, uh, requirement, you know, and they have done it in the MCU, obviously, um, Rhodes, uh, war machine is recast, you know, it's, it's Terrence Howard <laughs> yeah. into Don Cheadle, but you know, at the time that was a small character that could became a bigger, more important character, but we have not done that with a core member of the team yet. And I feel like there'd be a lot of crap talk if it happened. So, yeah, no, I agree with you, my friend. Um, I, 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 I respect their restraint or their kind of stepping back somewhat and saying, we're going to pump the brakes a little bit on what we're putting out. Cause John, we've just had Ant-Man literally. And, it felt a bit tired to me mm-hmm. in within the next three months. We've got guardians of the galaxy volume three coming. Now I expect yep. that to be better. I expect it to be more of a hit yeah. with people as well. Then we've got, I won't go through all of them, but we've got secret invasion, the series we've got the Marvels in November. Then we've got something called echo, a series. We've got Loki season two. We've got Ironheart, Agatha coven of chaos, daredevil, Deadpool three, captain America, new world order, thunderbolts, a blade, um and that's just phase five that and takes blade's us- definitely i think blade's delayed because of the director change um that's right it's looking at september 2024 so all of those films and series take us up to november 2024 so that's the space of 18 months we've got well uh, i can't at least nine or so things there which you do the maths is one every two months that's a lot especially when you know that you need to watch secret invasion you're going to need to watch the Marvels, Loki season two, absolutely going to need to watch. Do you know what I mean? There is, there is that sense now that it's a brilliant marketing ploy that, you know, you've got to watch all this stuff to be able to know what's going on. You know, give us the bucks, give us the money. Um, but there is that kind of feeling now that you, you do have to watch things or you get a Dr. Strange multiverse of madness kind of feel where it's like, what the hell is going on with Wanda? I'd, she wasn't like this last time I saw, Oh, Wanda. Oh, I didn't see WandaVision. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and so many other things coming out where it kind of, it, it does get a bit too much JB. And that's the only one of the only things I'll defend my beloved star Wars for against the MCU is that whilst there is, they, they also are stepping back. Now they were told to stop release, stop announcing things. So they've only got a few things in production. Um, the, 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 the timelines are different. So you've got Mando, which is set in one era. You've got Andor, which is set in another. So there's not, there's not necessarily the necessity to have watched everything that came before. Like with the Mandalorian, watch Return of the Jedi, you're fine. Uh, with Andor, um, you know, Andor in itself is a standalone when you lead in, leading into Rogue One, leading into A New Hope. Um, and the other shows they've coming, you don't necessarily need to have seen everything beforehand. Now, there are a few coming out, uh, things called Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew, which, like the Book of Boba Fett, are intrinsically linked to what they call the Mandoverse. So you're going to have to have watched some of those. 
before you watch these new series because they're all linked. They all take place at the same time. Are mm-hmm. we then going to start getting the problem we have with the MCU at the minute where they don't really feel like their own series? Now, I don't want to go into that too much because it's another story, but yeah, yeah. That, I, I just like you, I, if they can just strike that balance between what they had in phase four, which was trying to tell new and invent fresh stories, with, you know, shedding the so-called formula, but and kind of mix it in with what they're doing in this phase, so apparently, which is we're setting everything up. We're, we're setting up for uh, the Kang Dynasty and the Secret Wars film in 2025. Six. Um, let's find let's try let's try and find a place like they did in the first few phases, the Infinity Saga, where they managed to make the films feel important in isolation. Each film felt important because it felt like a standalone. But like you said, you knew that there was something in there, a little breadcrumb or an actual scene or a line dialogue or a stinger or a sequence, which set up the next film. It wasn't in, it wasn't a two two hour setup, which is what Ant-Man mm-hmm. feels like for me. However, exactly. it, is only, it is only about two hours. So it's one of the shorter films I've seen recently, but yeah. I would love to see some of the new films just feel a little bit more individual by all means set up the set up the next few films and the next few phases that is what the mcu is about please do i love continuity i love connection but not at the expense of the story or the film which i'm being sold which is an ant-man film and i don't uh, that wasn't an ant-man film that i watched so i was a bit disappointed jb I don't blame you, and I won't fight it. So, <laughs> no, I, uh, and that's and even if you did, we'd still come back and do the show next week because that's what sure. good film friends and friends do. Um, anything else you want to mention about the uh, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania before we move on? Uh, no, um, the one thing I guess I will say though is usually uh, with these movies because I see them at critic screenings often, and then I will often go to my local theater and watch them a second time before we record. And the last couple of movies that we've done a show about, I haven't, I haven't wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And this was one where like, I was really expecting to want to go watch Ant-Man a second time. And I, I kind of don't. And it's, again, I don't dislike it. I just don't know if I want to sit through the whole thing again. Like it was just like, sure and enough. it's like you said, it's not one of the longer ones, but it's still like, there's not a lot that happens in it that I want to see a second time. So yeah, no, I hear that JB. Well, it's, uh, it's currently sitting at $257 million worldwide after six days. So it'll make a decent amount and it won't stop the MCU from producing more and more stuff. But I just wish it'd been a bit better. And it seems like JB enjoyed the film for what it's worth, but isn't going to rush out to see it anytime soon. So that is our non-spoiler review about man and the wasp Quantumania. We'll have our spoiler review uh, out for you on Monday, but let's move along. JB, we spent a lot of time on that film because well, we're passionate and wanted it to succeed. Let's move on to our next segment, which we call, Tuft headlines. Here we both take a movie or pop culture news headline that caught our attention and we divulge it with each other and all of you. So JB, what you gone for this week? I went for a kind of throwaway headline, but I was kind of shocked to see it. But um, Tom Hardy, uh, Venom, uh, t- Venom colon, Tom Hardy shares deleted scene as third movie starts pre-production. And it's a deleted scene, um, I think from the first Venom and uh the fact that the third movie is in pre-production, I didn't even realize um, that we were, we were definitely getting a third one. Cause I, I really didn't like the second one. Um, I like the first one more than I expected to, but really I like Tom Hardy. And obviously they, they're, we know Sony doesn't want to let this die. Um, they threw Tom Hardy into the, the Spider-Man MCU <laughs> stuff. Um, but man, I, I wasn't ready for Venom 3, and apparently it's happening. So I, that's it. It's not a long headline, and it's just like, oh, great. 
um, I hope they do a better job, man. Because even I love Riz Ahmed, and he was a forgettable component of Venom. I keep forgetting he's in Venom, like he's the bad guy. But what? Who cares? Like the only reason Venom's good is because of Tom Hardy. No offense to Riz. No offense to Michelle Williams, who's a terrific actress. But Hardy's performance is the the best part of both of the movies. The second movie, you bring Carnage in, and it's not good. That's upsetting to me. And then now a third, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing for the third Venom movie? Like, unless it's Spider-Man, I don't think I care. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's happening. What thoughts? It's exactly the same as yours, JB. I, I thought the first Venom was, was glorious in, in how kind of good it was, despite it being a bad film. Um, yeah. Venom two was just a bad film. I thought I just didn't enjoy Venom 2. It was Mm -hmm. a big step down. And it's funny saying that when the first film wasn't great, but it was fun. It was camp. It was tongue in cheek. And it was was, was self-aware. The second film couldn't quite capture that. Venom 3, man. Great. You know, know, I'm not really... I'll go see it because we'll probably cover it for the show. But uh, if we weren't doing a weekly film podcast, I wouldn't be excited to go and see Venom 3. I certainly wouldn't rush out to see it simply because the last one wasn't very good. I like Tom Hardy in the role, but yeah, what's the catch? You know, what's the draw here? Like you said, without Spider-Man there, we've seen that he's been teased in that multiverse, but we know we're not getting that. Um, without Spider-Man there, what is the draw? You said, like you said, we've had carnage. It was, it was, it was carnage and not in a good way. Um, so where do we go now? Maybe they'll surprise us. Uh, Tom Hardy's always struck me. Well, we know he's always a guy who takes on a project because he believes in it. I can't imagine he just sees this as a payday. He doesn't want his name attached to some, to rubbish, to garbage. But I don't know, John. I don't know. My expectations or anticipation for Venom 3 couldn't really be any lower at the minute. Hey, let's see. Maybe the trailer will come out and it will be really good or they'll tease us with a, a decent villain or... Or, or a Spider-Man crossover of some sort. Maybe they'll do that, but kind of feels like they have to rely on that in order to sell the film. But I mean, we could get lucky and get the Morbius crossover that we're Jesus. all waiting for. Well, do you remember um, Michael Keaton said it's got something to do with Spider-Man, I think. So, you know, change that question into an answer. Give us Michael Keaton. Give us Morbius. Give us Spider-Man. Tom Hardy's Venom all together. Why? I don't know, because they tried to set it up earlier. Yep. <laughs> no, not entirely excited about this, JB. So uh, uh, I admire your, um, I admire your choice though this week. Mine is a bit more staid, a bit more stoic and serious, but I'll blast through it. In the lead up to the Oscars, which uh, we're all very excited for, we've had the 2023 BAFTA Awards, which is of course the British version of the Oscars, which is generally heavily skewed towards British films. Uh, that came out. That uh, sorry, the ceremony took place on Sunday, 19th of September. And none of the awards are broadcast apart from the final four, which is is bonkers to me. It's a, for me, it's a massive lack of respect. Um, but it's we got some very strange winners here, JP. Uh, in terms of the top level winners, the best film went to All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, outstanding British film was Banshees. Um, I'll try and get some which are more catchable. Uh, best documentary was Navalny. Best animated film was Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Best director went to Edmund Berger for All Quiet on the Western Front. Original screenplay for The Banshees. Adapted screenplay, All Quiet. Leading actress, John, Kate Blanchett. Leading actor, Austin Butler. 
Supporting actress Kerry Condon, supporting actor Barry Keoghan. Uh, so uh, cinematography all quite on the Western Front. Everything Everywhere got what it won for best editing, JB. Um, yeah. And there's you can't. And then after that, it's kind of what you'd expect. Elvis won costume, makeup, Avatar 2 won best visual effects. And there was a lot of British-centric awards, which are which are always cool to recognise the, the talent that we – the burgeoning talent that we have on our island here. But um, I guess the big takeaways, though, John, leading up to the Oscars and it, whether or not it has any kind of say or not is all quiet on the Western front swept up quite most of the categories it was in. And in our leading um, actor and actress categories, Kate Blanchett won for Tar, Austin Butler won for leading actor, Kerry Condon, Barry, Barry Keegan for supporting. Um, a lot of people have taken, not Umbre, because we know, we know film Twitter likes to get very up in arms and very outraged by things when they don't go their way, which is fine. Okay. Um, but there has been a lot of people saying that these were very interesting, very unique. Some people have said they're wrong and they don't agree with them whatsoever. What are your thoughts on this, John? You know, have, I know, I know we'd all, we all have people we want to see win, but yes. do you have any real concerns or any real issues with the winners here? Well, two things. One, it aired on February nineteenth. Uh, just, I think you said September, which oh, really threw me off. Why did I say that? Um, but it's okay. Uh, I, what is the EE in front of BAFTA? EE is a uh, it's a uh, cellular mobile cellular network provider in the UK a mobile oh. network. Kevin Bacon wow. does the because uh, the ads for it. He's been doing it for so years. So it's like if the Oscars were brought to you by like. You know, mcdonald's uh so mcdonald's yes. oscars uh yes, weird be like okay so it's uh, they have a, a sponsor i'm guessing it's for funding I, i've no idea why but it does look a bit yeah. daft it's it's wild just because like america we do that all the time with so many things but the oscars is not one of those um because i was wondering like what's the ee of the year and then i saw it in, on the headline too i was like what is what is the ee part <laughs> no, but, just, a, um, just an advertiser so I, I don't have any major issues. Obviously, I wanted everything everywhere to get all the awards. Yeah. Um, I th- I think uh, Pinocchio winning is, uh, I think, it, c- concluding what I've been expecting. I think that's going to win the Oscar, too, for Best Animation. Um, it is an impressive animated film, even if it was not my favorite of the year. Um, so Netflix, I think, is going to get their big a big win, but also in the animated category. I don't know if we should be... Uh, expecting all quiet to win Oscars as well. Um, It's a really good movie, but it was definitely slept on and Netflix did not push that movie at all. (laughs) Um, So I'm very curious to see if that's going to affect the American vote, but um, Banshees is great. Was Gleason nominated for supporting? Yes, he was. Yep. I'm a little shocked that he, that Keoghan got it over him. I think they're both great, but I Gleason's just, Man, uh, so much more important to that film overall. But um, I love seeing all the love for Banshees, though. That was a movie that really stuck with me and stays with me still. Like, I still think about it. Um, So I have no issues with that. I'm still, I I think I brought up this with uh, the Golden Globes with Austin Butler, too, is like, I don't know if an original performance versus a a imitation of a Mm -hmm. real life person is comparable and why I think he does a good job in the film and everything he is being someone versus yeah. like creating a character from scratch. And that, I don't know. I think both are talent. Don't get me wrong. Like I can't do, I can't be Elvis, you know? Um, but also like 
you're still basing it on somebody else versus like coming up with something from scratch or yeah, I get you. Yeah. Um, so I would prefer to see it go like to someone else. I don't know that I need it to be Brandon Fraser though. So that's the other catch. Like, I think he's great. I think th- his performance in the whale is great. Um, Colin Farrell. But yeah, I kind of would, I'd rather Colin get it. Um, but, but yeah, um, yeah, n- no major complaints for me. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of mostly what we were expecting except for all the, all, I guess I was not expecting all quiet on the Western front to hit uh, so many categories. Yeah, yeah, it's sweeping. It's doing quite well in the awards sector, and it's now kind of changed my mind somewhat that I think it could spring. It wouldn't be a surprise given how well it's done in the awards circuit, but I think in the eyes of film fans, it could be a surprise. I think it's got a chance of winning some of the bigger awards. I have. I think that's an outsider for Best Picture as well. I genuinely do, given the subject matter of it, given how good of a film it is as well, I think it's a you know, I, I don't think anyone should count this out for Best Picture, JB. I really don't think so at all. Um, though, of course, there are other films I would personally like to see uh, win those films. I'd like to see the Banshees sweep up or everything everywhere. But um, one thing the BAFTAs did get right, John, is it, uh, it included Decision to Leave, for one. It had, uh, I think, the director, Park Chan-wook, was nominated for Best Director here. Uh, and we had people like Dolly DeLeon nominated, uh um daniel deadwider was as well viola davis so uh, what the what the oscars apparently got wrong the baftas uh they got right so i'll you know respect and to my own little nation here but um yeah I, you know we want to see i want to see colin farrell win for best actor but other than that jb there was you know, no real kind of surprises here and like you said the american vote the oscars Maybe you know, maybe some of the people, but you know, maybe they would have looked at some of the previous awards before before putting their nominations in. I think we're too far gone now to have a real kind of s- s- uh, shift in momentum. But I do think all quiet could be a it could be a very it could be a dark horse for the Oscars, yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised if it did take away Best Picture, JB. And it might. Well, we'll have to wait and see. We're not what two weeks away. Yeah, Christ, yeah, two weeks away today. Oh, oh, in a few days' time, yeah. So, um, well, there again. And before we move on, I just wanted to chuck in the breaking news, which is breaking news on the Hollywood Reporter that uh, Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema have made a multi year pact with Swedish gaming giant Embracer Group, which holds the film rights to the property of Lord of the Rings. We're getting new Lord of the Rings movies from Warner mm. from New Line, which aren't going to be remakes of the Peter Jackson films, they're going to be. Uh, new. They're going to dive deeper into the stories of Middle Earth, is what they say. So, uh, for Tolkien Middle Earth fans, we're going, they're going to go back to the cinema to see that once again. So, uh, more news on that as it comes out. But I thought, why not throw that in as well? Um, so let's move on then to what we've actually been checking out. Not what's coming out soon, John, but what we've been checking out this week in media consumption. This is where we discuss the films, the TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours. Whatever we've used to pass the time since the last show. John, what you been checking out? So, as per usual, uh, Blank Check Podcast is continuing with Danny Boyle. So, we had the beach episode. Um, <laughs> yes. I've not seen that movie since it came out in theaters. Any um, scene you didn't remember? Uh, what's that? Oh, yeah. Any the, scene the you scene, didn't remember? <laughs> the scene of uh, him as a video game character. He's, yeah. like, hallucinating. But apparently, it's not a drug hallucination. Um I, I haven't rewatched the movie. Uh, I just listened to the podcast episode. I, I kind of want to rewatch it um, <laughs> after listening, even though they, they were not a big, uh, you know, they're not up on it very much. 
Um, and that made me feel good because I didn't like it then. And I, I definitely, I was a little angstful towards Leo at that time because he was like a, he wasn't a real rival, but all the high school girls thought he was great looking. And I didn't look like Leonardo DiCaprio. Could, How the compete, tables have know? turned. Um, uh, I mean, he's still getting high school girls. Um, so, <laughs> uh, uh, Touche. Uh, on the Count of uh, Three is a movie that I finally watched, though. Um, I think you recommended oh, that. Uh, yes. Big Tuna also had recommended it a while back. And I've been meaning to get to it. And I don't know what finally made me, uh, well, pull the trigger. Um wild movie uh really yeah. compelling uh tough watch for sure but uh jerry carmichael directing and starring in christopher abbott i really liked it um oh good uh easy to watch uh, easy to watch is wrong but like i was hooked into it you know what i'm saying like that easy to watch i was it wasn't like losing my attention i was just like oh man um oh, uh, i finally yeah. finally saw rent um I, uh-huh. I had a uh, guest speaker come to my classes last week um, who wrote a uh, Malcolm X musical. He's a local guy and his musical uh, has played in several theaters, but is going to be opening off Broadway in uh, June. Um, nice. And he came to te- uh, talk to my class. And while t- t- talking, we were talking about other movie musicals and we brought up uh, tick, tick, boom. And then, I, it reminded me I still hadn't seen Rent, and so I went home and I watched Rent this weekend. Um, I don't love Rent. I gotta say, I gotta say, uh, one, I didn't realize it was Chris Columbus, <laughs> which he's a bland director. Like, let's be real. Like his movies, yeah. he's got some movies I love, but it's not because of him. You know what I'm saying? Like it's he's just. Stamp. Um, but there's a couple of bad songs in Rent. Like the songs are like genuinely bad. Like the I'm going out tonight is is. I think pretty bad. Like at least how it's sung because it's like the way she says out is like really obnoxious. I don't know. There are some good songs in it and there are some good performances. Uh, there's some good parts to it, but I, I, I don't think rent's one of my favorite musicals by any mean. Um, mm-hmm. obviously the one song everyone's heard is really good though. Uh, I can't even think how it goes, but it's the one song everyone I think knows from rent. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fine. Um, th- shocking. Uh, one, I had not really seen a Idina Menzel outside of Frozen, so I was like, "Oh, I didn't know she was in this." Um, so that was kind of cool. Just oh. the idea of not seeing Idina Menzel outside of Frozen. She's just linked to that song and that role now. That that's where I think I saw her first, uh, and and then Travolta butchering her name and trying to kiss her awkwardly. Um, Jesus. Uh, but um, I can't say anything. Oh, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Um, Primal Fear is another movie that had been on my gap list for a long time. Um, and I will say more specifically why I ended up uh, deciding to watch it this weekend, but um, man, what a really good movie though. I'm really glad I watched that one. Unlike rent that I didn't love. I love primal fear. I thought it was great. Um, I was surprisingly the murder sequence is brutal though. I was not expecting it to be that brutal. Um, I can't say much about this film, but I have seen Creed three. My review will be up by the time you hear this podcast. That's all I can say. Um, but we'll be talking about Creed three in a couple of weeks on this podcast. Um, I, I, and I want to talk about it, but I can't, uh, then I saw a documentary that's getting a very limited release and my review will be up at uh, disappointment media. That's uh big tuna's website. Um, it called Sanson and me. Um, it's an interesting documentary, very, uh, very much about the process of making film and documentary film, specifically the relationship between subject and filmmaker. Um, and uh also just like the subject itself is compelling 
Um, I it's not going to be available on VOD anytime soon, and it's getting a really limited release, so I'm not sure how you can see it. But if you like documentaries, I definitely say add that to your future watch list whenever it becomes available. Nice. Um, um, three to three. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that. I'll mention that shortly, but uh, I'll yep. be checking out your review for sure. And then uh, God of War Ragnarok continuing to play. I'm I'm hitting all the side missions, and I'm only really playing on the weekends, so. It's nice. a slow thing for me, but I'm having a blast with it. Still enjoying it a lot. Uh, I've watched Andor episode six and seven. I seem to be like, I've made Monday night my Andor night, apparently. <laughs> so, like, I don't know why, but I'm watching like two episodes on Mondays. So that's that's my TV for that. Um, and then one that I know you've watched too. Last of Us episode six. Man, I'm just loving this show so much. Uh, I'm, I'm sad that there's only three episodes left. Um but also, like, if they end as strong as they've been, I will be very content with the nine episode season. And I know we're gonna we're supposed to be getting a season two. Yeah, confirmed. Um, but I, I don't know if that means are we gonna get just game two and that be it, or are we gonna get some yeah, kind of middle section are, that they kind of gloss over for the? They are doing the, part two, but they have Neil Druckmann, who is the creator of the game and showrunner for the series, had previously intimated that. And and you've played the game, you can attest to this mm-hmm. like I can. That there is no way in a month of Sundays can you can you properly tell the story of part two in nine episodes. They've even said it would have to be more than one season to do that game and that story. Um, but they are, they are going to be uh, adapting part two, the game. Yep. Well, I hope they. There's a big time jump into. Yeah. I hope they they maybe prolong that and you know give us stuff that we didn't see in the game, but we are uh, that are referenced or alluded to. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we can have some more of this dynamic of the two of them. But yeah, um, I'm yeah. digging it so far. Again, I've already seen the episodes, but episode six, I really enjoyed that. Uh, next, the next episode's a good one as well. I think. I think it does end strongly. Again, I won't say anything else, but it does. You've played the game; it does yeah. end strongly. I do have a few, a few nitpicks with the season overall. By the time we get to where we are now, but I'll save that for three more weeks when we mention the finale in uh, episode nine. But um, it's a decent collection of films there, JB. I was supposed to watch Creed three uh, in a few days' time, the multimedia screening in London. But I'd already, I'm off work that day, but and I'd already said I'd do something on that day, literally. And I, tell, I, I spoke to my friend Luke about this. Th- about three minutes before I got the email from Warner, I'd committed to do something else. Three minutes later, I get the email saying, you know, we're inviting you to the screening. And I thought, oh, no, now, I've already moved this other thing back once. I can't rearrange it. So luckily for me, though, Creed 3 comes out two days later in the UK. So I'm only missing out on seeing it you know it's, it's a two-day difference i can get over that had it been a two-week difference i would have been upset but um so i would have been seeing creed 3 next week but it were uh, on tuesday but it will be a few days later instead now but you know it is what it is i'll be seeing it anyway with the, with the rest of you and i'll be checking out jb's review after this as well so um me not so much jb i listened to the nightmare on film street podcast where they spoke about 2001's pulse the uh, very popular kind of uh, J-horror film, which is synonymous with that genre, also had one of the worst remakes I've ever seen. I think Kristen Bell was in it, and it was absolutely abysmal, the US remake. 
um, which I think was also called just called Pulse. But the J Horror version is, whilst not incredible, was still better. Uh, but it was interesting to hear the guys going back and talking about um, some international horror films. Uh, films, John. I've seen a few. I rewatched The Whale this week. It's now out on digital, uh, so I rewatched that. Um, because I wanted to see Brendan Fraser's performance. The last time I saw it was London Film Festival in October last year, so it's five months ago. Coming into the Oscars, I wanted to check out the performance again, and also Hong Chao, who I think is criminally overlooked in her role. Um, yeah, I, I still yeah. stick by what I said about the film. That the film, I don't think the film is is great. I think the film's good. It's not brilliant though. Brendan Fraser is very good. I think he is very good. I'd still like to see Colin Farrell win over him if I had to be given the golden ticket and give somebody the award. But Brendan Fraser is very good. You know, anytime Brendan Fraser is front and center and getting plaudits, you know, this is, this is his world. We just live in it, man. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, I stick to what I said that the film itself is the film's fine, but the, the those two performances really, really said it for me. Uh, I watched infinity pool, John, uh, Brandon Cronenberg's new film. Thanks to the guys over at neon. Um, I really enjoyed it really dug it yeah. uh, i wasn't a big fan of his last film possessor i thought it was i thought it was good but i think this was a step up in almost every way and i think that and i mean that as a positive in terms of a director you know getting better evolving with each film i think is a maturity to this film it's the first half is so incredibly strong it is so damn good and the second one for me i think i called it satisfyingly solid in my review because it is it, does, it doesn't nosedive in the in, in the second half whatsoever doesn't but I loved the intrigue. I loved that setup and the mystery for that first part, driven by two great performances by Alexander Skarsgård, who is just morphing into his dad, Stellan. Also, when he pulled certain faces, he looked like his brother, Bill. Um, and Mia Goff, once again, delivering a, a blockbuster performance as a genuinely kind of unhinged psycho who was very believable. She's great in it. She's just, you know, one of my favorite working actors out there. Alexander Skarsgård is great. The intrigue's great. The story's very good. It's wild though. If, if you, you know, if you know it's a Cronenberg film, hold on to your hats because you're going to be thrown at the deep end. And, you know, there's, there's trigger warnings throughout for, for things that you'd be a, if you're sensitive to certain things then just don't watch infinity pool because there's, if it's not violence, then it's sex. And it's, if it's not that, then it's drugs. If it's not that, then it's violence. There's, everything going on but it's all done in support of the film i don't i I don't think any of it was too gratuitous it was all very psychedelic but i dug infinity pool really really enjoyed infinity pool and another film sorry sorry you did did see the r-rated version though so that's uh, sorry i should have made that distinction jb said when i told him that i'd got sent the movie he said oh which version i said i don't know yet I'll, i'll find out uh as soon as i watched it I googled, you know, what's the difference between the R-rated and the NC-17 Infinity Pool? Um, and I, was, I immediately texted on saying, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I saw the R-rated version. <laughs> I only saw yeah. the, uh, I didn't see everything, shall we say. Yeah, I also, uh, I saw it in a theatrical release, which was only the R-rated version. So I also have seen that version, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they show you more than enough for you to understand just what yes. happened there. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's the only thing they they hold back on is, and, and actually Cronenberg said, and I think Skarsgård said as well, that Cronenberg really loved the film and he didn't, and a lot of the musical choices or the and the score was set to the scenes specifically, which I guess you could say the same for most films, but he didn't want to start butchering or rescoring it. So he just added, inserted other shots in place of that in certain scenes which is especially prevalent in that particular scene we're talking about and in a 
drug pie, pie, um, this kind of drugged adult psychedelic Audrey later on in the film. You know, there's a lot of film scenes which, like milliseconds or seconds, which are he's put something over the top of it or inserted something else so he didn't ruin the flow of the scene or disturb the musical choices which i thought was very interesting uh, to, uh and also of how proud he was of the film and i think it's a very good film i i, I really really enjoyed infinity pool um yeah sorry and the other film jb was a film which we'd mentioned a couple of weeks ago which came it came out about three weeks ago maybe three and a half weeks ago and we weren't really bothered by it. We were like, I could have gone to see it, but I didn't. And uh, it's Gerard Butler's Plane. Mm. Uh, yes, Plane is a very plain title as well. And I, I saw Plane, and do you know what, John? I had fun with it. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It, it's not a great film. It's, it's, it's a very much a throwback to those old 90s action films. And I know people, so many people say that about so many films, but it is, it's, you know, the play, a plane goes down during a, an electrical storm. It lands on a on an island which is oh which is run by a terrorist organization. You know the the the, the governments of the nearby islands they don't want anything to do with it. They pretty much see the control to these terrorists, and it just so happens that Gerard Butler, who's the pilot, was also uh, an ex army, ex navy, and you know he's handy with a gun and with his fists. Thank God. Where would we be about a kind of action hero like that? You know, it's it's absurd, but it's also very self aware and. Gerard Butler is, you know, he's, he's his own kind of subgenre now within that, the action genre. This is a Gerard Butler film, but I didn't hate it, John. I didn't. It's, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's, it's very endearing at times. Like Gerard Butler is very easy to root for. Um, and it, 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 you know, it, it, some people have kind of taken a bit of offense with the fact that who, who the villains are and the kind of stereotypical kind of lazy mm. writing, but at face value the film is fun it's kind of like dumb fun and i I enjoyed it i would recommend it if you just want to chuck on something for an hour and 45 minutes which it just takes you back to those old kind of action hero kind of films of of old it's not quite as bombastic as your your schwarzenegger or stallone films as such but you know there's a kind of real throwback vintage feel to it so i you know what i I, I'd, i'd recommend people check it out if they just want a fun action film so, John, go and watch Plane. Why haven't you watched Plane? I well, now it's out of theaters uh, here, so I have to make an effort. But, um, like you said, it just didn't it didn't draw me in, and we didn't have an obligation to watch it. I mean, we are getting Ship, which is the <laughs> sequel. Wow, that's not a joke. That's a real thing. Um, I, wow. So you know, I, I might have to see Plane. Is he a pilot of a ship or the captain of a ship now? It, it's uh, it's. Um. Oh, I'm gonna forget. It's Luke Cage's. I I don't remember the actor's name. Michael Coulter. Oh, I know who means. Right? Uh, I yeah. think so. Yeah. It's he. Is, it's he is the con- connective tissue. Um, for ship. It, it is not Gerard Butler. So yes, that makes sense. Okay, I get it now. Right. Fine. Um. Hey, look. It it, it it's fun. It's not going to blow you away, but it, it's. Uh, and I hate saying this because I always feel it's a bit derogatory. But it, you know, just just switch it off. Switch the old brain box off. Just have fun. Leave the critics at the door. Leave Burke reviews. Leave what I watched tonight at the door. Enjoy it for what it is, and it's not. It's 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 good fun. Um, it's a popcorn film. Um, hey. I didn't realise that there was a sequel coming out though. So I was all Christ, but um, I only watched it because uh, I I just I've been wanting to like last year. I had lulls in my film watching where it kind of felt like mm. I don't want to watch films. It kind of feels like it's more of a chore, and then I had to play catch up, especially at the end of the year. So I've had time recently, like I've had a lot of time and I've, when I've been able to, I've watched or gone out or uh, watched films like Plane, which, 
you know, may or may not be in my top 10 at the end of the year, but you know, it, I, I wanted to add it to my list. I want to be able to be fair when we come to our end of year awards and all that. Plus also, I just heard a lot of people saying they enjoyed it. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. And it was fun. Um, the last thing I watched very quickly was uh, I watched the Bad Batch, the Star Wars animated series. Uh, Disney sent uh, us over at Sessions the first 14 out of 16 episodes. Um, I watched the first eight and they were fine. I enjoyed them, most of them. And I didn't go back to them for about four, five, six weeks. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to rewatch them. And they're, they're fun. There's some really, really good episodes actually in there, which the bingeability helped um I, i'm i'm a very much for an advocate for the weekly sh- uh, releases of shows but something like the bad batch animation actually it worked better when i could binge it because if you had a little filler episode here and there in between some really solid storytelling dramatic storytelling then it didn't feel quite so bad cause you could just uh you could just uh watch straight through like it's one big story uh speaking of which uh, can, uh weekly drops we've got the mandalorian will be on the so next time in the next episode we recall we would have both watched i assume the mandalorian the first episode of season three so that's very exciting uh for for next week and in the amongst the film we're going to talk about but before we get to that jb this show is bloody awesome why because we're bloody awesome and so are all of you guys but we have to maintain these levels of bloody awesomeness each week in order to bring this show to you so john how on earth have you been staying bloody awesome this week well, um, I, I went to see some of my family. Uh, I don't often okay. uh, talk to my family, and like, I was, not when I say that, I don't mean my wife and my daughter. I mean my <laughs> extended family, right? Um, and uh, my m- one of my aunts uh, came down from Pennsylvania and uh, invited me over. Uh, my wife and I, uh, Kathy and I, went to uh, see them, and I hadn't seen most of them since the pandemic. Um, and so we were there for like three or four hours. We had dinner, and we just talked. And I forgot, um, I think, how much of my love of movies stemmed from my whole family. We were, we're all avid movie watchers. I have taken it to an extreme level and studied <laughs> yeah. it and academically. Um, but they all are big fans of movies. And at one point, my aunt from Pennsylvania asked everyone in the room, which was about, I feel like it was about eight people, their top three movies. And it was fun hearing them nice. say things and then me recommending stuff. And, um, you know, because while they've, they've seen things I haven't seen uh, – primal fear was brought up and then the, the when it was realized i was like the only one in the room who hadn't seen it i was like i must watch this this weekend because i can't be that guy no. um i like to be the one that's telling everyone else movies they haven't seen and especially like big movies like primal fear is a big movie that i had not yeah. seen versus like you failure you know, there's a lot of crap i'm not gonna watch that's on netflix a lot of people <laughs> watch everything um but uh, so I, I, I was like pushing, like, you guys got to watch the before trilogy. And then I had to explain yes. like what that is. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great catching up. It was great seeing my family and, um, it was great being reminded that like my obsession with films stems from both my grandmother and my mother who loved movies and we had collections of films and I forgot like my whole family has some, some passion for it more so than a lot of other people. And at the very least, if, if it's, uh, they embraced the passion that night to maybe make me feel, you know, hey, you, we know you you love movies, so let's talk about movies for way too long. And I'm like, this that's amazing. Let's do that. So uh, it was fun catching up. Sweet. No, I remember you've spoken about that before. That um, obviously the family and, but more so where your kind of love of film originated from. So that's cool to hear. And I know you're on your 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 quest this year to just 
speak to people or don't we get out and see people that more is people. yeah social my resolution to be more yeah. social yeah yeah no so uh, well good on you my friend and look what came out of it primal fear um and hopefully some more uh round tables where you all have to give you top three films make uh, specify next time and they make you know put people on their toes make them give you genre recommendations what's your three favorite rom-coms let's see what people say then oh i like that here we are, John. Um, my one, my bloody awesome, really bloody awesome, but it, it was a necessity. Uh, my little one hasn't been very well. She's fine, but, um, I've had to take the week off work because of it. So I was off last week for half term and that was how I stayed bloody awesome by having a great time. Whereas this week's been a bit more, it's been quiet. I haven't really been able to do anything. I've been almost been isolated to one room essentially, but, um, she's fine, which is the main thing. It has been for the most part. Um, but I haven't been able to watch many films because I've been watching prank videos on youtube instead and things like that which has been uh an experience shall we say but uh so i've been saying bloody awesome basically but having a prolonged break from work oh i don't know if that's a good thing or not but uh so i got to spend more time with the little one but um and got to, got to watch things like playing in the early t- in the early weeks uh days of it but just mainly just been chilling out john i've had an extra week kind of enforced john do you know what i've got more sleep i feel i feel a bit better whereas when it's just me i've go to bed a bit later, wake up a bit earlier because of work and wonder why I'm so tired and knackered, fatigued throughout. But, you know, feeling a bit better, JB, a bit more um, full of vigour somewhat, ready for the, uh, ready for that to be taken away next week when I go back to work. But just a prolonged break for me, JB. Yeah, you know, sometimes we need a break. Even again, obviously it wasn't a reason you would want to take a break because your little one being sick is stressful. But, mm. you know, at the it was a, it was a, it's one of those illnesses that now that she's had it, she shouldn't get it again. And it's, it's bad, but it's also not that bad. Like, it's just one of those things where like, you can't be around people. Um, so, you know, on the bright side, you, you did get some time to let her rest and let yourself rest. Exactly. And I'll get an extra week to hang out as well. So I'm never going to say no to that JB. So, well, that's how we've been staying bloody awesome this week. And whilst the film we spoke about may not have been as bloody awesome as, as we'd hoped, we're still going to be back again next week with more film reviews. We're going to have our spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania dropping on Monday. And here we go, JB. This is cinema. We are back next week to talk about Cocaine Bear. Yep, a a coked-up bear on a rampage is our film for next week. And I'm telling you, my friend, I cannot wait <laughs> to check out Cocaine Bear. I was meant to watch it tomorrow. I've had to put it off. And I'm watching it on Saturday night now feels like a saturday night film i know you're watching it tonight hopefully so that's the plan. This time next week john will be hopefully high on cocaine bear, bear. until then if sorry carry on i was just making sure everyone heard bear i wanted it we're not advocating the drug part of the name we're, we're talking about the movie absolutely no yes. confusion what john said yes drugs are bad and and they really are we are going to be talking about cocaine bear the film the animal definitely that um but if you want to let us know what you thought about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, we'd love to hear from you. Do you agree with us? Was was I too harsh? Was was John not not praiseful enough of this film? We'd love to know what you thought. Uh, you can find us on social media, on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. Uh, John, where are we on Instagram? We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Uh, we're on Facebook at Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. We are also on the Tomato Meter, so we will have a review of ant-man and, and the what's quantum on the tomato meter we'll have to argue about what we give it but that's uh, the fun no. of being films that's the fun of what we do here we'll have a kind debate and then we'll come up with a solution 
amicably. But we're I, also... I think, sorry, sir? I think the solution could be solved right now. I'm not... If I were like praising this film and, and mad that you didn't like it, I would say let's let's argue the fact that I can't even really muster much of a defense <laughs> for the positive. I think it it it's going negative. Uh, it's I I think one of our first um, be two or two in two. I think when it we had yeah yeah uh, like as well. Yeah, that one we agreed completely. This one's more <laughs> like I don't feel like I can make an argument that it deserves to be fresh. So I'm just like okay, so. I'll take that. I'll take it. Makes it makes life a lot easier. But when it's like <laughs> that, but um, yeah, we can find us individually as well. We we are contributing to each other's sites at the minute. John has got a a section on what I watched tonight, which is called "What You Should Watch Tonight," where John will be uh, recommending streaming releases that he believes that you should watch. That he's uh he wants to inject these out into the world a bit more and show his love for these films. Uh, they're going to be coming pretty regularly over on my site and I'm going to be doing one for John's as well. The details are going to be fully finalized soon. So you can see us cr- uh, cross contaminating each other's websites when you can <laughs> find those. Uh, you can find me what I watch tonight.co.uk and just search across the social medias for what I watch tonight and letterboxd and you'll find me there. JB, how about to you? I'm at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms. Yes, sir. If you like what we're doing here, please do consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice, which includes Spotify. So thank you for those who've already done so. It really helps us out. It gets more listeners in. It gets us up the algorithm and podcast lists. And it's another way to hear from more film fans each and every week. But with that, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 blood,